everyone. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Cindy. And I'm Mindy. If you're watching online, we're thankful you have joined us as well. Here are a few upcoming events you might be interested in. You are invited to the wedding shower for Lindsay Rubel and Tommy Baldridge on Saturday, March 19th. The shower will be held in the Metro from 2 to 4 p.m. They are registered at Walmart and Amazon. Please bring a card with your favorite recipe on it. Andrew DeCanut and Craig Reynolds encourage all men to check out their new exciting podcast, Real Men Talk. This vibrant podcast is a discussion of many issues that men deal with on a daily basis. The weekly shows will be available in most podcast stores, including Apple iTunes, Google Play Store, Audible, Amazon Music, every Thursday at 5 p.m. Louise Marvin invites all ladies to join her for prayer meeting on Tuesday mornings at 10.30 a.m. in room 101. How neat is that? That's pretty neat. some pine cones. Early settlers actually thought pine cones were tree poop. When they stepped on a pine cone, they'd say, oh no, I got tree poop on my tootsies. That fact was proven wrong in 1906 by Dr. Douglas Bubble Trousers. Wow. Look at this neat scenic environment. Just look at it exist. <laughs> oh wow, look! You can search all day and not find one of these. Wow. There sure is a lot of nature out today, no doubt about it. It'd be a great capper to a great day to see a wild animal. Let's call out to him. Let's see what we can get. Come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. We will hurt you. We will hurt you. I don't hear anything. Let's stir things up a bit. this week. Follow us on social media and the church app. Visit our website for updates on current or future events. Now let's celebrate Jesus.
Would you stand with us tonight?
okay to start over sometimes. because I don't want to enter in this song distracted You can't. 
the King of Kings, the cornerstone, the firm foundation. I pray tonight that we don't take this time together for granted. We're going to sing another song in just a moment, but we set our eyes on Jesus and let's embrace everything he has for us tonight. Whatever that looks like, whatever that sounds like, we ask Jesus, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to come in Jesus' name. It's good to be with each and every one of you. I just want to remind you, you can continue to worship through your giving in our tithe boxes as you leave, or you can give online via our website or app. Let's say our declaration together tonight. We're today by faith. We declare that we are walking in the manifestation season as your faithful remnant. We will house your very presence. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and he has delivered us from all of our troubles and fears. We are no longer victims, but we are victors in Christ. We will not be deceived by the lies of the enemy, but we will give health, healing, and wholeness to the hopeless and those in despair. We will live under your anointing and see the revealed purpose of Christ in each of our lives. And we declare your everlasting word on earth as it is in heaven. Church, I'm just going to ask you, would you just lift your hands to heaven right now and set your gaze on Jesus? Look to God the Father tonight. Lord, we're here to worship you. And we're glad to be in your house gathered under your name, Lord. And tonight we say, you do what you want to do in this place, God. Do whatever you want to do. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 
Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody out on this rainy night. We're just believing for the rain of the Holy Spirit in here. How about it? How many want showers of blessings? How about a flood in the house of the Lord tonight? Can I hear you? Yeah, amen. You know, when I was a young teenager back in 2006, um, there was an old song out. And it, it was titled, it was actually in the 1970s and early 80s, but it was entitled, Jesus Christ Superstar, Who in the World Do You Think You Are? And this morning, Bishop Ofield told us who he was, didn't he? Um, wasn't that, how many thought that was a masterpiece this morning? Oh my goodness, yes. Sister Ofield knows how to write good sermons to give to him, don't she? Hallelujah. You know, with all of my heart, I just want to say to the audience and mainly of all to you, Brother O'Field, I'm just so honored to be in Popper Bluff, Missouri. And I know the boards you've served. You've served on general boards. You've served world missions boards. You've been on state boards. You've, you've served the executive committee. You've pastored a church of thousands. And yet, somehow God's allowed me to become your friend. And I'm very humbled. And I'm very grateful. Um, I'm privileged to be able to be around men like you who are mentors, teachers, reprovers, and you just pull young men in like me and, and you get the sandpaper out and you kind of rub off the rough edges. Um, you're a brilliant man and you're God called and you're anointed. And I just cannot phantom in the grace of God that is so wonderful, how it can be so great that I get privileged to rub shoulders with men like you. To be able to hear your wisdom, to be able to hear your um, the, the messages that speak such volume to me, and to have you to come and bless what's more dear to my heart than anything, and that's the people here at the palace. We love you. And folks, if you would... Uh, um, if you appreciate, let me put it this way. If you appreciate Sister Ofield and Brother Ofield for coming and being a part of us this week, would you just stand to your feet and give them a great big pop bluff welcome? Come on, brother. at you on a rainy Sunday. Man, it rained. I don't know how often it rains like that here, but man, it rained. And for you to be in church tonight, God's got something for you. Amen. Do you Have you come believing that? I hope you've come expecting. And uh, Pastor Kent, uh, man, I love you. I, I, I have fun with him. He's easy to have fun with. And uh, he's so young. Did you pick up on that? He's, he's so young. Uh, Becky and I have, uh, we have certainly enjoyed being here so very much, and I mean that, and, and feel honored that you would ask us to come and be able to spend some time with your staff. How many of you know you got a great, great staff and leadership here in this church? You know, they were, they were talking about uh, the... Uh, 
the tenure that many of them have been around, it, it is incredible. Uh, the, the strength of tenure and service that uh, this church has with uh, the leadership. And uh, it's no wonder God's blessing uh, the church. But we, uh, we certainly love and appreciate Kent and Jenny Miller. They have been, uh, they have been such great uh, uh, hosts and hostesses to us, so hospitable, so kind, and we appreciate that. Uh, tonight, I, I'm just going to come and we're going to preach, and hopefully we'll, we won't get caught up and go over the rainbow while we're uh, in church. But what better place to be? Amen? No, I said, what better place to be? <laughs> Amen. I want you to stand with me one more time just because it's Sunday night and I don't want you to get too comfortable because you might be tired. I want to I want to share something with you. I, you know, I made this statement to our, your staff while uh, we were together this this past weekend. Uh, I, this is I may be weird like this, but I have uh, for most all of my life in the faith had relationships with passages of Scripture. Uh, the Bible is a living book, and it's an eternal book. And there are, uh, there are passages in the Scripture that I have, I, I feel like I've just had a relationship with them that has grown and grown, and things that I thought that I had squeezed out every ounce, and then the Lord would pull back yet another layer of understanding. And uh, so some of those things, there's probably about... I don't know, six or eight of those scriptures that I preached uh, to, to the church I pastored uh, on a regular basis. They got tired of it. In fact, they got to where uh, there's some subjects they could, they could preach it better than I can because they've heard it that much. I am, I am convinced in the day that we're living, what this world needs is one last move of God in his church. I mean, not just a moment or a day, but a move of God that will sustain us until he comes. Harvest is ripe, and you know, this is real. The Spirit of God that's inside of you is real. Amen? Do you, do you know that? And so I just want to share something with you that, you know, I, I, I've got to tell you, I've got all kinds of new messages I preach, but the Lord just from time to time starts speaking to me about something else, and I, I get drawn back to passages. And so tonight I want to talk to you about a journey, a journey with the Lord to a higher place. And I want us to pray together and ask him to open our understanding, give us insight into truth. Father, thank you for your holy word. Thank you for your way. Thank you for your presence. Lord, thank you for your spirit that is here in this room right now. Lord, while so much is going on around us, we thank you that right now your presence is here with us. And Father, I ask you to cause your Holy Spirit to touch us and speak to us. Lord, I pray that you'll seize our understanding in this moment of time. Lord, let our time spent here on this rainy Sunday evening be time that's conducive to growth and conducive to drawing near to you. For God, we know that because your spirit is here, anything's possible. We know, Lord, because your presence is here, that the potential of what could happen in this room is extraordinary. And so, Father, I pray, fix our hearts upon truth and speak to us. And we pray that in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody in the room said, Amen. 
Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, we're going to look at the book of Psalms 126 in just a, in just a minute. How many of you know the climate of our day speaks uh, about the coming of the Lord with a loud voice? The Lord is coming. You know, most of us have heard that all of our lives. And I have actually had people say to me, I've heard about the coming of the Lord all of my life. And he hasn't come yet. And whenever somebody talks like that, it's like a neon light flashing. Jesus is coming. In 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4 Jesus, through the mouth of the apostle Peter, says to us, in the last days there would come scoffers, mockers, walking after their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, things have continued as they were from the beginning of the creation. In other words, mockingly, where is the coming of the Lord? Because he hadn't come yet. But God answered the question in verse 9 when he said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And what promise was he talking about? He was talking about his coming, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men would count slackness, but as long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so what he said was, if he hasn't come yet, as of this moment in time on this Sunday evening, if he hasn't come yet, it's because he's giving one more person, one more opportunity to find Jesus Christ and find eternal life. That's what, that's what the Bible said. But I can tell you, my brothers and sisters, if there has ever been a day that we need to be serious about the coming of the Lord and looking for the coming of the Lord and living as though he could come any day, it is now. If you got people in your family that are lost, you need to get after it now. You need to pray like never before. You need to reach out to them and love on them like never before because the Lord is coming. And, and just, just real quick, I'm going to tell you why I believe that. There's so many reasons. But I always look at four things. Look at the, look at the, the cash. Look at the, the conflicts and the culture and the church. And if you look at the cash in the world that we're living, how many of you know, and I don't want to take a lot of time here, but how many of you know there are systems in place right now where the Antichrist could step onto the scene and he would have the systems to instill a global economy today? Cryptocurrency has come along. And, and, and I'm not against cryptocurrency, but I'm telling you there's systems that are put in place to where the Antichrist will, can come right now and very easily put a one world economy into action. Then you look at the conflicts, and we need not spend much time here. All the players have been on the stage in Syria now for some time. And there's coming a moment in time when they're going to come down on Israel. Do you know, by the way, that, you know, I was telling the staff, I think I mentioned a few months, a couple months ago, I got an article that a friend sent me that talked about how the great river Euphrates is dried up. Not is drying up, but is dried up. And in the book of the Revelation, chapter 16, the Bible said, and the great river Euphrates will dry up to make way for the kings of the east. 
there's coming a time, the Bible talked about a 200 million man army. I don't believe there's any nation on earth that could do that except for China, the kings of the east. And there is coming a time when this army is going to come down upon Israel. And all these things are unfolding right in front of our face in our lifetime. These things are happening. I thought when I was little and I was young and I heard preachers preach about this stuff, I thought, man, it's going to be great because when all the people see these things coming to pass, they're all going to run to Jesus and everybody's going to get saved. And now I'm living these days where these things are unfolding right before our eyes. And it's almost as though nobody can see it. And then look at the culture. We don't have to spend much time here. We're living in a time where they're telling little boys that they're little girls. And little girls that they're little boys. We were talking the other day. There's... there's religious educators that are now telling us that the Holy Spirit is a woman and all this is coming at the same time. Second Timothy chapter three, verse one, beginning said this, know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, fierce, incontinent, and despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, having a form, having a resemblance of godliness, but denying the power thereof or contradicting the power thereof. And again, the Bible said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. So Paul said that in the last days they would contradict the Bible. They would contradict the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you that day is upon us. It's happening all over this country and probably all over the world. Keep an eye on the culture, this culture that we're living in, then the church. First Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 said, The Spirit speaks expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith. Didn't say they'd leave church. It said they would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their conscience seared as with a hot iron. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, after that Paul told Timothy to preach the word, he said, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust will they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall be turned away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. And my brother and sister, we are living in that moment right now on the face of the earth. Amos chapter 8 said in the last days there would be a, a famine of hearing the word of God. Not a famine of eating and drinking, but a famine of hearing the word of the Lord. And if there's a famine of somebody hearing the word, there's a famine of somebody speaking the word. You and I are living in the days that very much resemble the last days and the eve of the coming of the Lord. If you believe that, say amen. amen. And so what are we supposed to do? Well, the Bible said in Luke 19, 13, Jesus said, occupy till I come. If you look at that word, you know what it means? Just stay open for business. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on preaching. Keep on singing. Keep on worshiping. Keep on living the life, stewarding the grace of God. In you. Just keep on doing the business 
of the Lord. How many of you know when this whole pandemic thing started, I saw people on Facebook that were saying, where's all the prophets? Where's all the preachers? Where are those people going to tell us what to do? And it's like, baby, you don't need anybody to tell you what to do. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've been told what to do. Just keep loving Jesus. Keep on praying. Keep on moving toward God because the day around us doesn't matter. That doesn't affect anything. We're called and instructed to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And so with that backdrop, that we're living in days where the Lord is coming, I have been since I was a young man saved, I have been chasing after the manifestation and the move of the Holy Spirit. And I have experienced at sundry times the, the, the move of God in my own life. I've been in meetings that were extraordinary. I could, I could stand and tell you about, about services. I, I was in India and saw probably 700, I think they got cards on over 700 people that were baptized in the Holy Ghost in the span probably of 60 seconds. You could see the evidence of the Lord moving. And while he was doing that he saved 160 Hindu people and while he was doing that there's a woman out in this crowd of 15,000 people on the edge they, they put it in the newspaper the next day she's standing next to a, a newspaper guy and she starts screaming and this guy just came because he wanted to see what was going on and when the lady came to herself he put that in the paper he said he asked her what is wrong with you and she reached down on the ground and picked up a cancer that fell off her body when the Spirit of the Lord began to move. I could stand here all night and tell you things that I've seen with my own eyes, not things I've heard, but things I've seen. And then you could tell me all the things that you've seen and that you've experienced. And we need a move of God. Amen? And if I were to pass this mic around and ask you, what does a move of God look like? I think we might get a lot of different answers. But I want us to go to the book in Psalm 126. This has captured my heart for the last 30 years. And this is what he said. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, when God moved for us then, we were like them that dreamed. And then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing and then said they among the heathen the Lord has done great things for them and the Lord has done great things for us whereof we are glad and he came to verse 4 and it was as though the psalmist stepped into the present day and he said turn again our captivity O Lord move again Lord move, move one more time and then he went ahead and qualified what he was talking about. He said, as the streams in the south, Lord, move like that. Like the streams in the south and they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And said, he that goes forth and weeps and bears precious seed. He shall doubtless, I like that because he, it's a promise. You want to be a soul winner? He's telling you right here, you do these things. You go, you care, you, you tell the story. And you're going to doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing your sieves with you. We need a move of God. And this is a psalm that is 
one that builds as it is being sung. Some people feel like songs like this were sung on the temple steps during the feast. But it is one that begins here and has a crescendo. I want you to walk through this passage with me. This is what a move of God looks like. This is what the church needs. When God turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Now, a number of years ago when I first started walking with this scripture, I sat down and asked God, what does that mean? It was like them that dreamed. In other words, it was almost too good to be real. Is there anybody here ever been in a move of God that was so good? It almost didn't seem like it was real. It had to be a dream. And when I stop and think about Jesus Christ, and I stop and think about what God did when he put on the robe of flesh and came to dwell among us, the Bible said this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things pass away, and behold, all things become new. And then a few verses later in verse 21, he said, he that knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you on this rainy Sunday night uh, that when you stop and think about Jesus Christ, uh, it's almost too good to be true. How many of you remember when you were saved? I don't know about you, but I was saved on a Sunday night in January in 1977. And I came, I was in church that morning and the pastor, my pastor was Steve Brock. He called me by name to come down to the altar and he stunned me. And I went down there and all these people gathered around me and I thought, what am I doing? Because I was, somebody told me God didn't love me anymore. A preacher told me that. And so I got up and I walked through all those people and I went home. But all that afternoon, something kept drawing me and I went back to church on Sunday night. And Sunday night, that was back in the day when the Sunday night was the rocking service. And the place was packed. They had chairs set out in the back. And the youth choir was singing that night. I'll never forget it. They were singing, here comes the bride. Here comes the raptured ones. Here comes the chosen ones. Angels, step aside, because here comes the bride. And I sat back there and I watched them. It was like their faces were glowing and tears were in their eyes. And I sat back there and I thought to myself, I wish I could have that. I wish I could experience experienced that. And probably for the first time in two or three years, I had a little tear puddle up in my eye. And I remember brushing it away. And I thought, I, I can't do this because God doesn't love me anymore. And I remember the pastor got up. How many of you know we preachers have, we have patterns. And I learned his pattern that morning. He came and then he read his text and then he prayed. And I thought, I'm sitting in the back, way back in the far corner. Nobody invited me to come. I just showed up. And I thought, here's what I'm going to do. When he gets done reading that text and he prays, I'm out the door. And I, I had decided I'm thinking about this. I'll never forget. And while I'm sitting back there, he starts reading his text. And he got about halfway through. And his shoulders started going like this. And he started sobbing. And, and I'm standing there thinking, what, what is this? And he laid that microphone down and he walked down in the midst of probably seven or 800 people and walked right back to where I was, walked down the, the, the seats where I was sitting and he looked at me and he said, God is calling you to an altar of prayer. I had a big afro, I had a goatee, I was mean, I was sin filled. And he came back there and said, God's calling you to an altar of prayer. And I thought, I'll get rid of him. And I looked him right in the eyes as, as, as mean as I could. And I said, that's not for me. 
me. Leave me alone. And you know what he did? He got me in a bear hug. And he put his shoulder or his head on my shoulder. And he started crying like a baby. And he said to me, God sent me back here to tell you that he loves you. And I remember that Sunday night, I got out from where I was. It was almost it was almost like it wasn't happening. I went down to the altar and all these people gathered around me. They'd been praying for me. And I got down there and prayed. And it felt like somebody had turned on a hose on the inside of me. It felt like I had a gully washer. Do you remember what happened when you first got saved? I remember I got up and I turned around and I hugged 200 necks that night. I was hugging everybody. I used to be so mean, wanting to fight everybody. And I, but I was hugging everybody. And I was just so full of love. And I remember little old sister Dee's. She was about this tall. She was a mother of the church. Her back was bent over and her voice would break when she spoke. And I remember I hugged her. And she, I'll never forget what she said to me. She said, oh, honey, it's going to get better every day that you live. And you know what I thought? Am I, I was naive. I thought, poor old sister Dee's. She didn't get it good as I did because this can't get any better. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? But you know what I found out? It gets sweeter and sweeter every day that goes by. But here's what I have contemplated. Somebody like me, somebody that was so far from God, somebody that was so sin-filled, somebody who had been down in the, the, the depth of sin, somebody like me, that he would love me that much, uh, that he would come and embrace me, uh, and that he would save me uh, and make it as though I had never sinned a day in my life. It's almost too good to be true. Jesus. Can I preach Jesus to you a little bit? Now tonight we'll just, let's just stay in the gospel of John. It's the greatest love story human ears have ever heard. In John chapter one, verse one beginning, he said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the same was in the beginning with God and said all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shined in darkness, ah, but the darkness comprehended it not, but said there was a man sent from God whose name was John and the same came to bear witness of him that all men through him might believe said he was not that light, but he came to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. For he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But to as many, here's where we come in, to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, which were born not of the flesh, nor the will of man, nor of blood, but were born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake, and he that comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness of all we received, and grace for grace, for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It was in John 129 when John was baptizing in Bethabara beyond Jordan that he looked up and he saw Jesus coming across the way and he cried out, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The sin of, of, the, of the world. John chapter 2. There he is in a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And I love this story 
because his mama came and said they've run out of wine. And he said, woman, my hour has not yet come. And you know what she did? She did what most mamas do. She just turned around to the other people and said, whatever he says to you, do it, and left. And he performed his first public miracle and turned water into wine. John chapter 3, here he is speaking words that are eternal. When he said that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John chapter 4, there he is and he is, he is talking to a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well. And he said, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for something to drink. And she says, why, you don't even have a ladle to draw with. And Jesus said, whoever drinks this water will thirst again. But whosoever will drink of the water that I shall give him, the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In John chapter 5, and there Jesus is at Bethesda. And he is there where the people would come in these cloistered porches and they would wait for the waters to be troubled so they could get their healing. And here's a guy that couldn't walk. And when the waters were troubled, he said, I have not a man to help me up. And in verse 8, this man Jesus, this man Jesus that saved you eternally, he said to this guy that can't walk, get up, take your bed, and walk. And guess what he did? He got up and he took his bed and he walked. In John chapter 9, they come into a village. And as they come into a village, they see a blind man over here. And the disciples, they're like, we, like us. We always want to know why. And they said, well, Lord, who sinned, this guy or his parents? And Jesus said, I love his answer because we need to hear it. He said, neither. It's got nothing to do with anything they did wrong. But that the works of God might be manifest in him. Can I tell you something? That guy sat there blind. Year after year after year, nobody would understand. Why did that happen? He was waiting for this one day when Jesus came to town so that the glory and the manifested power of God would be put on display. Now, that ought to encourage you. If you've been praying to God about something, if you have an ailment, if you have a sickness, if you have a disease, and you've been praying about it for some time, don't be disheartened because you might be like that blind man. You might just be waiting until the moment in time comes where he says today is your day and the work and the power of God is manifest in you. And the Bible said Jesus spit on the ground and he put the mud on the blind man's eyes and said, go to Siloam and wash. And he went and washed and the Bible said he came forth seeing. Do you believe that happened? That's who I'm talking about. John chapter 10 verse 14, he's the good shepherd. John 15 and 5, he's the living vine. Then when you come into John 16, he said in verse 33, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. For in the world you'll have tribulation, but cheer up because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah to God forever. I look in the book in John 17 and verse 3, and here he says, this is life eternal, that they may know you, the only true God and Savior, Jesus Christ John chapter 18, the king's feet cross the Kidron. Jesus is headed to Calvary. From hearing to hearing, being tried that, for a crime that he wasn't guilty of. John chapter 19, they put him on a cross. 
and they nail his body to the tree and they crucify him because that's how much he loved us. John chapter 20. Very early in the morning, Mary went to the tomb and found the stone was already rolled away. And the Bible said there was two men in white sitting there and they said, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. Can I tell you, people have been looking for life in dead places ever since. He said, don't look for life among dead things. He's not here. He is risen. And then when you come into the last chapter of the book of John, let's just talk about the last verse of the whole book. Do you know what it says? He said, I suppose if everything Jesus had done had been recorded in books that this world could not contain the books that it would take to tell the story. The next time you walk into a library or a bookstore and you get to looking around, I want you to think about Jesus. Come on, somebody. And then when you stop and think that he saved you, his spirit resides in you. He's with you every second of every day. He said he would never leave you nor forsake you. It almost seems too good not to be true. And all power is given to him. Amen? You know, I wasn't going to do this, but I think I will just, just because. You know, we used to talk, my wife had a, had a bad headache today. And we mentioned a little bit before service. How many years ago was that? F four years? Has it been that long? Six years. It was on a Thursday night. And she left to go to choir practice. And I remember setting a can of chunky soup on the counter. That was going to be my dinner, and I was going to study because nobody was home. She'd been gone about 10 or 15 minutes, and my cell phone rang. And I answered it, and, and she was, it just, she didn't make sense at all. And she said, I can't, I can't see. I don't know where I'm at. And I, I told her, I said, well, Pull off the road. Get off the road. And the whole time I'm getting my key and I got in my car and I went the way that I know she'd go to church. And I got on Interstate 270, the circle's Columbus, and I, I pulled by and I see her car sitting up there. So I pulled over and I got out and I went back and I opened the door and she couldn't even put a word, sentence together. It was just so garbled. Her arm is dangling down like this. It's funny what you remember. I remember it's a little bit cloudy. I remember how the wind was blowing. And I'm sitting there saying, this, this, this cannot happen. And, and she's there and she's just limping. I'm, I'm holding her up in the car. And the only thing she said that made any sense to me at all, I heard her say, I'm afraid. And when she said that to me, something clicked inside of me. And everything I know about God went into action. And I just said to her, oh, no, we're not afraid. We're not afraid in the name of Jesus. And then I'd talk in tongues. And then a few minutes later, I'd say it again, we're not afraid. And then in the name of Jesus, and I'd talk in tongues. And I don't know how long I stood there doing that, but somebody had called the, fire, the ambulance and the fire truck. And somebody pecked me on the shoulder and said, Pastor, we're going to take care of her. And the ambulance driver, his parents attended our church. He said, we're going to take care of her. And I turned around, looked him right in the eye, and I said, we're not afraid in the name of Jesus. 
and I spoke in tongues. You know, they're all sitting there looking at me like I'm a nut. And they, they got her and they put her in the ambulance and I'm riding shotgun in the ambulance and the ambulance driver got in and he hears me over there talking in tongues and saying, we're not afraid in the name of Jesus. And he said, I come against the spirit of a stroke. I don't know how many times ambulance drivers say that, but I said, amen, brother. Amen to that. I'm not afraid in the name of Jesus. And I'd speak in tongues and we're going to the hospital and I hear them calling ahead and they said, they were, they were saying that she has all the, the signs of a stroke and she was deficient on her left side. I believe it was the left side. And so we get to the hospital. I just, I just, I'm just kidding. We're not afraid in the name of Jesus and talking in tongues. And they come and get her and they take her back and they took her in for tests. I'm out there by myself in this little waiting room and I'm just walking around there saying, we're not afraid in the name of Jesus. And then I just told her, See, this stuff that we talk about in here, it works out there. They brought her back out, on the, and they were running so many tests on her, so many tests. They took her up in some kind of, I don't know if it was an MRI, what it was they did up there. And we walk in, and, and a guy up there, his wife was playing the guitar for our young adult choir, and he was the one doing the test. And he, he came by me when they were getting her set up. And he said, I'm going to be praying the whole time. If this all goes well, she's going to be whole. She's going to, and I'm like, amen. We're not afraid. And then I just speak to him in tongues. And, and you know, and all these people watching me, well, that's, what's wrong with this fool? What's wrong with him? And that's all I did all night long. I can remember they had her for a long time down in the emergency room running all kinds of tests. And this little girl, I saw her sitting over there. She was a nurse. And she kept looking and looking around and she ran over to me. And she said, we know who you guys are. Your wife, we're praying for her. She's going to be fine. And I said, we're not afraid in the name of Jesus. And I'm talking tongues to her. I don't know if she's Pentecostal. And then another one, they had one that, that took me up to where she was having a test. We get in the elevator. She said the same thing. We've been back here praying and interceding, and we believe she's going to be fine. And I said, well, we're not afraid in the name of Jesus, not just speak in tongues. Did that all night long. I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to do. And the, the, this woman, doctor, the, the, the lady came in in the middle of the night. She walked in, and she said, I am diagnosing you with a stroke. That's what she said, wasn't it? And Becky kind of reared up like she was half drunk and said, I don't think I'll accept that. <laughs> so absolutely not. We're not afraid in the name of Jesus. All night long. And she couldn't move. She couldn't move her left side. Next day, a little bit. Next day after that, a little bit more. Next day after that, a little bit more. It was on Sunday by now. And I heard on Sunday morning, I heard the doctors coming down the hallway. And they had a bunch of students that they were training. And they came to her. And he said, I heard him say this. We both heard him. He said, oh, now this one, this one is a strange case. And he started talking about what they thought. And they couldn't figure out because she got better. And she got stronger. And she, and she got to where she had none of that going on. And the only thing they could do was say she had a migraine headache. I happen to believe a little better than that. I happen to believe that that doctor diagnosed her correctly. But the hand of Almighty God touched her and made her whole and healed her body. And what I'm trying to say to you, you may be in this room right now and maybe you need a 
a miracle. Maybe you need God to move a mountain for you. Well, the good news is there's somebody that has set his love upon you that has all power. He can do anything, and tonight can be your night. Hallelujah. And it's almost too good to be true. You know, my little baby, I don't know, I'm just thinking here, I need to get back on track. My little son, I don't know how old he was and he had a seizure. We'd all been somewhere. We came back and I was standing rubbing his face and his eyes rolled back in his head. I hate seizures. And he started having a seizure. And it was all so quick. All I knew to do, I grabbed him up in my arms and started talking in tongues and praying over him in tongues. Becky's talking in tongues. My son, who was just maybe 11 years old or 15 or 4, I don't know how old he was. I looked over. He's got both hands up, calling on the name of Jesus. All of us immediately begin to pray. The, the ambulance came. I carried him into the ambulance. I'm holding him. He's convulsing. I'm praying in tongues. I sat down and they're checking, doing vitals on him. I'm praying in tongues. I didn't care what those people thought. I didn't care if they thought I was nuts. I knew that there was a higher power. I knew that there was a power. In, come on, are you listening to me tonight? You have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead inside of you. Hallelujah. And I'll never forget, we got to the, we got to the doctor. And the doctor started telling me all the diagnosis. And he said to me, he said, your son will have several of these in his lifetime. And I looked him right in the eye and I said, sir, in the name of Jesus Christ, my son will never have another one of these as long as he lives. And now he's 27 years old. He has never had another one of those and he never will have another one of those because of the power of Jesus Christ. And I could stand here and go on and on, but after all he's done for us, it just almost seems too good to be true that you are never alone. You're never facing the fire. You're never facing the battle alone. He is always with you. If you believe that, give him praise right now and give him thanks for what he's done. You need to help me with time tonight. I got no idea when I started. And she'll, she'll help you because she knows when I need to stop. We, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. Your mouth never got full, full of laughter until we realized this is too good to be true. It's too many times it's so easy for folks to get in the humdrum of going to church. We just come in and out. Sometimes we have a good time and a good service. Other times it's just another Sunday and we just, just march on. But when you come to the place where every day that you live, the potential for adventure is there because of who you're walking with. And it's almost too good to be true. Then there is a natural response. Then my mouth is filled with laughter. Come on, there has been a dearth of joy in the church world in America. You know, I remember times I've gone into churches and, and you, you stand in front of them and you look at them and, it's just, and people just look like, they just look like they, they're having the worst day of their life. 
once we understand who he is, you can't help but have joy. Amen? Joy. Peter said we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Psalm 51 and 8 said, make me to hear joy and gladness. He said in Psalm 51 and 12, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and hold me up with your free spirit. In Psalm 32, I want you to know he wants you to have joy. In Psalm 32, 11, he said, be glad in the Lord and rejoice ye righteous and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. In Psalm 35, 27, he said, let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. In Psalm 67 and 4, he said, behold, the nations shall sing for joy of heart. In Psalm 132 and 9, he said, behold, your saints shall shout for joy. In Ecclesiastes 2.26 said that God would give unto a man that is good in his sight both wisdom and knowledge and joy. In Habakkuk 3.18 he said I will joy. That word means to spin around. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Joy. Joy. Therefore, Isaiah 12 and 3, therefore with joy shall you draw water from the wells of salvation. Isaiah 65, 14 said, behold, my servants shall sing for joy. You come over in the New Testament. You remember when, when, when God began to shake the earth and, and Peter had been delivered from prison and the Bible said the, the early saints were praying together and said when they prayed, the place was shaking where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke the word of God with boldness. Well, Acts 13, 52 said the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Now, we understand full of the Holy Ghost because we're Pentecostal. But when's the last time you thought about being full of joy? When's the last? Joy is not contingent on what's going on around it. When's the last time you just thought about being full of joy? So full of joy, you just can't help yourself. Joy, it's a spiritual force. Nehemiah 8.11 said, don't be sad because the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. How many of you need strength? Well, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I look in the book and I read in Psalm 16.11, in his presence there's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Psalm 30 and 5 said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now watch it. This is a move of God. The psalmist is talking about a move of God that they, that they had. And it began with the realization of the goodness of God. And from our context, the Lord Jesus Christ it's just too good to be true. It's so magnificent. And when you fully understand it, the normal response is joy. Everybody say joy. 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 When's the last time you just got beside yourself with the Lord with joy? When's the last time? When's the last time you didn't care just because you were so full of joy? Now watch. Then was our tongue filled with singing. You know what? When, when there are people who know and love Jesus Christ with everything in them, they have joy and they don't need to be prodded to worship. They don't need to be prodded to praise. 
And I've been a lot of places, I don't believe this is one, but I've been a lot of places where people almost had to be manipulated to praise the Lord. But when you know who he is, and when the joy of the Lord is real, you can't help yourself but to praise the Lord. That's why David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. I look in the book and I read things like this in Psalm 34, beginning in verse 1. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord, and the humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let's exalt his name together. In Psalm chapter 40 and verse 1, he said, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard my cry. And he brought me up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry clay, and he set my feet on a rock and established my going. And put a new song in my mouth even praise unto our God. I look in the book in Psalm 100. He said make a joyful what? Make a joyful noise. It doesn't matter if you can sing or if it's just noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord all ye lands. Come before his presence with singing and know ye that the Lord, he is God. Hallelujah to his name forever. We are called to praise him, but you can't do it if you don't really understand and recognize and embrace who he is and the joy of God that comes. I look in the word of God and the scripture said in Psalm 103 beginning in verse 1, he said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgiveth all thine iniquities and healeth all of our diseases. Now, do we believe that or not? That's what he said. And so we bless him. We bless his name. Psalm 150 said, said praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts and praise him according to his excellent greatness and praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him on the stringed instruments. Praise him on the organ. Praise him on the cymbal. Praise him on the high sounding cymbal. Let everything he said that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Because he is worthy they? Man, I can't help it. I look forward to when you get together with people that know what you know and that they love him like you love him and you just get to worship. You get to magnify his name and the joy of God is lived out through you. We were like them that dreamed. This is what that move of God looked like. Our mouth was filled with laughter. Our tongue with singing. Uh, you know, I, uh, you know this. When there comes a move of God, you know, sometimes it looks different. Sometimes people act strange. Does anybody here act strange in a move of God? You get people running while nobody's chasing them. You get people dancing when there's no music. It's just kind of strange. I remember a few years ago, in Columbus, the power of God began to move, and the Lord was just moving everywhere. And there was a little boy in the sanctuary that had no feeling in his hands. He just, his hands, he couldn't feel anything. And somebody found out about it, one of the young people, 
And they all brought him up. He was in the middle of them. There was probably about 40 of them that were gathered around. And they were all leaning in. It almost looked like a hut. They were all leaning in and they were praying. And they prayed. I don't know how long they prayed. It would seem like it was 10 minutes. And then all of a sudden, it was like somebody blew something up in the middle of them. And they all fell back like this. And come to find out, the little boy said, I can feel my hands. And then after a while, I got up and I said, where is that little boy? And, and mama said, he's back here he came back here to color because he couldn't feel the crown before when it go to color but he can feel it now because God healed his hands that didn't make sense to me all those kids over there shaking him and praying and talking in tongues but look what God did and when God begins to move it's almost too good to be true and when God begins to move we just get full of joy. Hallelujah to God forever. Hallelujah. Somebody said, well, we could be in a nuclear war before the week's over. Well, glory be to God. We're going to heaven, right? Amen. 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 And then when you get full of joy, you can't help but praise him. And watch what happens next. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord's done great things for them. And the Lord's done great things for us, whereof we are glad. We're glad. God's blessing the church and God's blessing the unchurched because God's blessing on the church causes the church to go and bless the unchurched. And they stand back and say, whoo, man, something good's happening over there. Right? In Ephesians chapter 3, Paul talked about a mystery that's been hidden from the beginning of the world. And the mystery was the church. And he said that God wanted to show all men everywhere and to principalities and powers in heavenly places this mystery. We're living in a world where people can't get along. We have everything in the world dividing us, the color of our skin, the size of our bank account, educational achievements. We got educated that struggle with uneducated and vice versa. We got wealthy that struggle with the poor and, and vice versa. We've got all of these things, genders and, and generational struggles. We got all these things in our culture where people just can't get along. And God says, I want to show all men everywhere and I want to show the principality and power the mystery of the church. That there is a place on this planet where people can come together and love each other. Where people who have different walks of life can come together and magnify the name of the Lord and to worship together and to love one another as brothers and sisters. And I'm telling you when the power of God moves and we realize what a treasure it is, almost too good to be true. And then our mouth is full of joy and our tongue is full of praise. Then suddenly we start loving each other and people out there like never before. Man, I'm, I'm telling you, I have watched you. I've watched you love on people, both of y'all. It's no wonder this church is like it is. And what, what do you think would happen when you get an entire church full of people that's loving like that? And then watch what he did. The psalmist came out of the past and he said, turn again our captivity, O Lord. Move again. Do it again. Let him move 
of your power come to us again. And then he said, like the streams in the south. And most Bible scholars believe he was referencing Lake Tana and Ethiopia where the Nile River began to flow out. And it would flow down through the broad plains of Egypt until they dammed it up. It would reach a certain peak or season. It would overflow the banks. And it would irrigate the valleys and the lowlands. And he would bring life to what was dead. And he said, God, give us a move like that. Give us a move that goes outside of who we are, that goes outside of a church building. Give us a move of God where what is in here will flow out to dead things that they can find life. Come on, somebody. Give us an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. That's the river. Joel 2, 28, 29, it shall come to pass afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Do you believe that? You know, I told, I told somebody some time back, oh, I don't know if my son's going to make it to heaven. I said, man, don't, look, don't, don't set your sights so low. The Bible said they would prophesy. Prophesy. Oh, and then all of a sudden everything changed. And this has been some time back, but the young man got saved. And I believe he'll prophesy. I, went, I, I was preaching one Sunday morning, quoted that scripture. And it just so moved me. I went back to the children's church pastor. And I said, you know what? The Bible said my sons would prophesy. I, I'm believing for my sons to prophesy. Years go by, and you know what I got hanging in my office? I've got a prophecy that my sons gave me that they felt like God spoke to them and was speaking to me. He said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and young men see visions and also on the servants and the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Hallelujah to God. I am so thankful to be Pentecostal. I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid. I don't tuck my head. I am so grateful that I know the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I look in the book in Ezekiel 36, 27. He said, I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you shall keep my judgments and shall do them. Hosea 6 and 3 said, he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain to the earth. Proverbs 1 and 23, I'll pour out my spirit to you and make known my words unto you. And until you come into Acts chapter 2, you know what happened there. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And he said, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. Now remember, this is a psalm that builds to a crescendo. He says in verse 5, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And here's the climax. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You want to be a soul winner? All you got to do is go and care and tell them the story of Jesus. And the Bible said you will doubtless, maybe not everybody, is going to believe you and receive, but some will. 
And it is the greatest adventure. I was thinking, I was preaching somewhere recently, and I just happened to remember I had wisdom teeth that were impacted. And I had to go to a surgeon, and he cut them out. And, man, I couldn't get over it. The pain was just, the pain was horrible. I was living off pain pills like it was candy because I couldn't function. It was hurting so bad. And I went back to him, and he looked in there and told me he did a phenomenal job. He didn't know what was wrong. And so for six months, I lived in pain. For six months, I mean, it hurt so bad. And finally, I got directed to the guy that was over these six centers. It was about an hour, a little over an hour from my house. And I walked into the waiting room and I sat down and they called me back and I walked in and this doctor, he said, oh, he said, I know you. I've been to your church. And I'm like, well, great. What about this? <laughs> I can't function. And he said, I've been to your church. And he said, sit down. And I sat down and he began to pour out his heart to me. He's his, lost his marriage, losing his family. Everything was falling apart. And he sits there and breaks down and just starts sobbing and crying. He said, I need God. And all of a sudden it dawned on me. I said to him, Dr. Perez, I said, doctor, I said, can I tell you how much God loves you? I've had to walk around with almost unbearable pain for six months trying to get to you. And now here we sit this day and you're here sitting crying and by the way I was back there for an hour next time you go to the doctor and, and you know they're 45 minutes or an hour behind us because somebody like me got back there uh, ahead of time I mean I was back there for an hour and so I led him to the Lord he fixed my tooth problem in 10 minutes and I remember walking out of there and I begin to understand this every day that we live there are potential adventures. We don't know who's next. We don't know who's coming next. We don't know the next individual might be somebody that God has set up for somebody like you to come along and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Are, are you listening? This was the crescendo. Thank God that it's almost too good to be true. Thank God for joy. Thank God for praise. Thank God for the river overflowing the banks. But it had a crescendo. And that was bringing our sheaves with us. Let me just share this with you because it's on my mind and we're going to pray. Some years ago, I was, I was asked to go preach at a mission service in Ohio. It was way off in southeastern Ohio and it was a long drive, and I got there, and we had a service, and I'm coming back. It was, it was in October because it was trick-or-treat night. And I'm driving in this little town, and it was, it was right there where it goes from, from 55 to 35. And he had the speed gun, and he got me. And the sheriff pulled me over right in the down where the, the roads intersect in that little town. And he walked up to my car. You know, I wanted to try to tell him that was pretty, that was pretty uh, ingenious how he shot me right there at the speed limit sign. But I didn't. And he said, he said, you were speeding. And I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, you got to be careful on a night like tonight. 
He said, it's trick or treat. And he said, some of the kids are still out. And I said, yes, sir. And he said to me, he said, I don't know why I'm telling you this. And his, his lips began to quiver. He said, but my little girl got hit and, and killed a year ago tonight on trick-or-treat night. And so now all of a sudden I'm, I'm thinking this is more than just me speeding. And I turned in the seat and I listened to this man pour his heart out. And I began to tell him, I told him I know somebody that can help you. And I, I started quoting scripture to him. And I'll never forget what that man said. He was crying like a baby, big sheriff. He said, my mother quoted those same scripture to me now for years. And he said to me, she's one of those wild ones. She's Pentecostal. I said, I, I am too. And I took him by the hand and he accepted Jesus as his savior. Long story short. And I'm thinking now after we've prayed, I'm thinking, oh, this is great because I'm probably going to get out of this ticket. <laughs> and he stepped back and he said, well, I'm still going to have to write you a ticket. And he said, if you were my mother, I'd probably have to write you a ticket. And so he wrote me a ticket and he showed me on the back, it cost a hundred bucks. And so I told him, now you go home and call your mother and tell her what happened to you tonight. And he said, I'm going to, and I'm going to start going to church. And so I'm driving out of that town, and I start thinking about that 100 bucks. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I just went and preached a mission service. I gave, received nothing. And so now it's going to cost me 100 bucks. I don't understand that. And the word of the Lord came to me. And I heard in the scripture where they took joyfully the spoiling of their goods. And all of a sudden I thought, and I said this to the Lord while I was driving. I was about an hour and a half from home. I said to him, he was worth $100 to get to sit there and experience that. And I got home, and the next morning, my great aunt Ruth called me. And she said, are you going to be home today? And I said, yeah, we'll be home. She said, well, I'm gonna, we're going to come by. So they showed up at my house, and that little godly woman walked into our living room. And she said, uh, the Holy Ghost spoke to me a few weeks ago to do something. And then he really got on me yesterday and told me to come here. And she's reaching in her purse and she handed me a check. And she said, he said that you'd know what this was for. And I looked at that check and it was $100. It, am I telling the exact truth? And Uncle Don was sick. There was something wrong with him. So we started praying for him and laid hands on him. He fell out on the floor of my living room and God healed him. And I'm thinking how wonderful it is to walk with the Lord every day, every day. You don't know what he might let you experience next. We need a move of God that will lead us to the place that we will go and weep and bear precious seed so that we can doubtless come again with rejoicing. Bringing our sieves with us. Come on, stand with me, if you will, everybody. You know, here I am preaching like this in this great church. I mean, the presence of the Lord is here. I, when, as soon as we got in here this morning and the people were worshiping, man, this is, a, this is a place that's been kissed by heaven. The presence of the Lord is here. I hope you never take that for granted. 
And I'm thinking, here I am preaching something like this in a place like this. But I'm telling you, my brothers and sisters, the time has come that we must accelerate into what God is calling us to be. And we've got a harvest that is all around us that we are called to reap. Sons and daughters, something that just broke my heart. I've not been able to get it out of my mind in our prayer conference we had last week. There were pastors and their spouses lining across the front of our church that were there representing lost sons and daughters. And they just were broken and they were sobbed. And God help us as as church to reap a harvest of our sons and daughters. Amen? We don't have time to wait. We don't have time to put it off. We got to reap a harvest. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to get out from where you're standing, come down here together. Not going to keep you long. I know we got rain and storm and all that, but just come down here for a for a bit. I'm going to ask you a question. Let me let me ask you this simple question: How many of you know and love somebody? It's not ready to stand before God. Hold your hand up real high. You know and love them. Look at this. We need a move of God that will help us understand fresh how precious Jesus is. We need a move of God that will then help us to have joy. Because the world don't understand that. And it's attractive when somebody has joy. And praise to the Lord in a move of God. And a baptism of love for those among us and for those outside of us. But all of that is not the climax. That's all just blessing. But ultimately, he that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again. I think it was Leonard Ravenhill who said, I'm tired of hearing about church history. Let's go make some. <laughs> Let's go make some. God has planted this church here in this region this region needs to be touched with the power and the reality of Jesus Christ through his spirit. Amen. I want you to do something with me. I want you to turn around and tell somebody, just give them a couple of names of people that you know that's without Christ tonight. Just tell, go ahead and speak their name. Say their name to somebody. Say their name to somebody. You know, you might be, you might be the only one with the influence to reach that person. Or maybe you need to pray and fast like never before for God to, the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the vineyard where somebody will come along and, and tell the story and reap. 
We need a move of God. I want you to tell somebody, I need a move of God. Amen, we do. We need a move of God with all the distractions in this world. And this is what I pray over us, is that we will find a deeper understanding of how glorious and wonderful Jesus is every day, not just on Sunday, but every day. And that the joy of the Lord is free to operate in our lives. There's a lot of people that just have no joy in the world. And when somebody with joy comes along, it's attractive to them. And then you begin to praise God like never before. And you're driving down the road just magnifying the name of the Lord. And praising him wherever you go. You're like a mobile praise and worship service. Because you can't help it. And the things of this earth begin to lose some of the glitter and the attractiveness. And then we look around and start being thankful for people around us and we love them. We love them with a depth that we never knew before and then we start loving everybody. Until, because it's a song of a sense, until we go forth with precious seed. Luke 8, 11 said the seed is the word of God. With precious seed, weeping, and he said, then we'll come again with rejoicing, bringing our sheaves with us. And what would happen if every one of you that raised your hand about knowing somebody like that, if you just won one of them this year? Just, just one. What would happen if you won two? Because you had a personal move of God in your life. I'm telling you, this is a great place. This is, I might, if it was, my son wasn't the pastor in Columbus, I might transfer my membership here. It's a great place. The anointing of God, the leadership, the, the worship. But man, you've not even scratched the surface of what God has for you. You have not. And it's easy for us to push up to a certain point and feel good about it and, and enjoy the presence of God and celebrate it. But my brother and sister, these are not days for settling because you can settle for something really good when God's calling you to something really God that's so far beyond ourselves. And this is the word of the Lord that he put in my heart for you tonight. So let's do this. I know this is different, but can you join hands with somebody if you're not already? And I want you to pray a prayer like this. I want you, and, and it might just be that God begins to move and answer that prayer right here tonight where you are. I want you to begin to pray, God, let, there, let me have a move of God in my life. I pray for a move of God in my life that I'm going to begin to treasure Jesus like I never have before. That joy is going to flood my soul. That praise will ever be on my lips. And that I'm going to love like I've never loved until I begin to reap a harvest. Would you pray like that? Would you pray, God, let me have a move of God. Let me have a move of God, Lord. Let something happen in me, I pray. Y'all sing something if you will. <coughs> Father bless your people.